Support for the Bronx Bomber Babble podcast is brought to you by Manscaped. Gentlemen, shaving your downstairs area can be difficult, but those troubles are a thing of the past with Manscaped's Lawnmower 3.0. Featuring skin-safe technology, it glides nice and smooth, so you're not in any danger of nicks and cuts to your delicate downstairs area. It also has a convenient LED light, so you can see where you're trimming, plus it's waterproof, so you can use it in the shower. I've been using mine for a few weeks now, and it's awesome. It works great, and it will totally change your grooming game. The Lawnmower 3.0 comes included in the Perfect Package 3.0, which also includes the Crop Reviver and Crop Preserver anti-chafing ball deodorant and moisturizer. Get all these great products, as well as a super comfortable anti-chafing boxers, plus a great travel bag to carry it all in. The Perfect Package is valued at over $150, but right now you can get it all for just $89.99. Manscaped features some of the perfect gifts to give to the men in your life. Gift your friends, your family, and yourself the gift of Manscaped. Right now, when you go to manscaped.com, you can use the code BABBEL and get 20% off plus free shipping. That's BABBEL, B-A-B-B-L-E, for 20% off your order and free shipping. Manscaped, your balls will thank you. We are live for the 85th episode of the Bronx Bomber Babble podcast. Uh, I'm not even going to do the Matt Lowe's Luigi host, uh, <laughs> host BS. You guys could tell it's not him. Uh, we got Andrew, G, and Gus again on the pod tonight. Uh, again, it's the 85th episode. Uh, we're recording this on Sunday night, May 2nd. Um, what's going on, guys? Great to finally be back on. It's been a couple of weeks since we, uh, we had a podcast. Well, I mean, it's been, you know, there's been some stuff to be happy about since the last one. So, uh, you know, not too bad, not too bad. Yeah, it's good to be back. Cool. All right. So, like I said, we're recording this Sunday night. Yankees fresh off a sweep of the Detroit Tigers. Take as much stock in that as you will, considering the Tigers are sitting at, I believe, 8-21 and 21 after uh, tonight's game. So, worst team in baseball. But, you know, you take the victories any way you can. So I'll just throw it off to you guys. Let's just get this this show started here. Uh, the Yankees have won five of their last seven games. I think something like nine of their last 14. So when, when we last won at the pod, uh, unfortunately, timing didn't work out with, with everyone. But we, we were down bad. Uh, we just got swept by the Rays. I think the team was like five and ten. And things were not looking good. Since then, uh, they've won nine of their last 14, like I mentioned. And we're back to 500. So how are we feeling? Um, what's going on, guys? Yeah, you know, like you said, they're they're starting to win a little bit more, um, and the pitching has still really been good. We know about the bullpen has been tremendous all year, but uh, Kluber and Tyone both had their best starts in pinstripes so far in that Detroit series. Uh, Tyone got his first major league win in exactly two years, uh, struck out eight, you know, just one earned over five innings. Um, was really really uh, happy about it. Uh, he said that there were times that. He wasn't sure he'd be back in, in a big league uniform, so that meant a lot to him. Um, and then you had the guy who shows no emotions, uh, Corey Kluber. His best start uh, was just today, eight scoreless, 10 strikeouts, was just moving the ball all around. The Tigers hitters did not know what they were seeing. Uh, was just tremendous. That actually lowered his ERA by more than a full run, obviously. ERA isn't everything, but that just shows you how good of a start it was. Uh, so those two guys who... We're kind of, you know, looked at as, I guess, projects. Uh, they seem to be figuring it out a little bit, Kluber especially. Yeah, yeah. I think that's uh, <clears throat> that's a hell of a something. Kluber was dominant today. And uh, on the opposite side of that, I'll say for my thing, the offense is trending in the right direction. Um, it's impossible to be any worse than they were for the first you know, three weeks of the season, but they are trending in the right direction. Um, led by John Carlston, who is on a nine game hitting streak and about as white hot as you could possibly be. Um, Aaron judge is starting to come along. He had a big series against Detroit and, um, um, yeah, I mean, he was getting on base otherwise. Um, and you know, there's been some other promising signs. DJ's kind of hitting again. He was rolling over a lot of balls to the left side and now he's starting to shoot them all around. Uh, Gleyber Torres has not hit a home run yet, which is something that many in our blog have noticed, but he's starting to get some base hits. And, um, yeah, most of the offense are trending in the right direction, except 
for Aaron Hicks, who is not trending in the right direction in any facet of the game, but more on that later. Yeah, Hicks has been a, a real disaster thus far. Now, obviously, plenty of time for him to turn it around, but he's he's been pretty brutal to watch. I do want to make a quick shout out to our bullpen. Gus mentioned it uh, right at the, the tip off here, but we're obviously going to do our, our full bullpen trust list at the, at the end of tonight's episode, but Earl's Chapman looks like far and away the best reliever in, in baseball again, which in, in 2021 with diminishing velocity, I think we, we just expect him to be above average and, and to kind of do his job and, not exactly recapture the magic he had, you know, 2014 to 2017 range, but he's, he's right back there. Like he's, he's the king of the castle again. It's, it's awesome to watch. Uh, one of my personal favorites, Jonathan Wiseka has looked fantastic. Uh, and, and on the downside, do uh, you mentioned Aaron Hicks struggling uh, for me? It's, it's Gary Sanchez. I, I tried guys. I tried so hard to defend this guy. He got off to that good start on opening day, hit a home on the next day too. We thought like, you know what? Maybe, maybe this is the year that Gary just has a decent year. He doesn't have to be excellent. He just has to be serviceable and stay out of the storylines. And it's May 2nd and he has one RBI the last 30 days. Like that, that's basically where it's at. And it's at the point where he's once again, lost the starting job to Kahago Shioka, who by the way, earned every bit of that but yeah it's 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 not pretty with gary so uh let's let's rewind uh, we don't have to go back the, the full two weeks uh, in the week between uh our, our our last pod and now the yankees split a, a two-game set with the atlanta braves and they went out to cleveland and took three out of four they actually went down three nothing in both the first and second game rallied to win both those games couple clutch hits from from rugnet odor in the first three games I believe he had the go-ahead RBI in the first game, then had a game-tying home run in the second, and another home run in the, uh, on Saturday night. Uh, that was actually the game winner uh, in, in a battle of Cole versus Bieber, which was arguably the, the best game in Major League Baseball this year. That game was fantastic. Uh, and then this past week, they they went out to, to Baltimore to end the road trip and split a two uh, four-game series, excuse me. And there, there, there's some, some things we'll talk about in this pod that, Certainly were concerning. Um, one of them being making Matt Harvey in 2021 look like Matt Harvey of 2013. Uh, and then obviously ended the week uh, on a positive note, sweeping the lowly Detroit Tigers. So guys, let's just rewind the clock to, to Monday, uh, start of the Baltimore series. <clears throat> After taking three out of four in Cleveland, and it looks like they had started to gotten some momentum going, we got shut down by Matt Harvey. What did you guys see in that game? Uh, obviously, the, the, the bats are what they are. They're hot and cold, hit and miss. Is Matt Harvey good again? Are we just really inconsistent? What's going on? Well, I it might be a little bit of both. You know, I I think uh, and especially we've seen it um, with the Yankees when, especially when they face guys for the first time. But then you face a guy that has kind of hadn't, hasn't been in the league for a while, um, has only made what made four starts last year, 12 starts the year before. Um, and he has, has a noticeable uh, uptick in his stats this year. Um, only, a, you know, a, four, a modest uh, 4.06 ERA. So I, I think it's kind of a combination of not being super familiar. And then, yeah, I think there is some kind of, some uh, inconsistency that, that still kind of plagues this lineup. Uh, and we kind of saw it rear its head in that game. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think the at-bats got better as this week wore on, but in terms of that game, they were kind of just, I think, at the beginning of, you know, a few of the players anyway starting to come out of it. And, uh, I mean, I'll give credit to Matt Harvey. Like, he pitched well, so I don't just be like, oh, well, you know, they should have beaten him and they didn't. So, like, he pitched well and he went out in his next start and pitched pretty well, too. So, kudos to him. And I think uh, that was just a bad timing for the Yankees, who have been mostly bad until the last week. And uh, other than, you know, a brief one or two games here or there, like, they weren't doing anything. And um, 
Yeah, I mean, I think I'll, I'll give credit to Matt Harvey because uh, the Yankees, this offense, anyway, the Yankees offense this week was, was better than they had been previously. There was definitely a lot to be encouraged by, no doubt. I think the word bipolar, like I've already said it probably a couple times in this podcast, is the most applicable description for how this team is, right? Um, they started the week getting, uh, I think they scored about two runs in that loss. They lost 42 uh, and racked up four hits Sunday. They won because they shut out the Tigers, but two runs and three hits. Now, obviously you had a, a seven run or an eight run game mixed in in Baltimore. You had the 10 run shutout on Friday night. So they had some big performances, but then it's like a roller coaster, right? <laughs> there's, there's no consistency. I'm going to actually lean towards positivity here because I was super tough personally on, on Aaron judge and Jaron Carl Stanton at the beginning of the year. And only because they're in the, the middle of our lineup. They're the guys who are expected to produce where if everyone else is struggling, it'd be nice if they had stepped up and they weren't either. And that's why the games were as ugly as they were. Judge had a five RBI game on, on Friday night, backed up with a three RBI game on Saturday Carlos Stanton, like G, you mentioned, has a nine-game hitting streak where I think he's hit like over 400 over that stretch. Has improved his batting average by like 80 points over that stretch. So certainly there's a lot to be encouraged by. But you look at, at the Yankees' batting order as of the end of the, the game today, we still have like four, five guys hitting under 200, right? So so Rugnetador, like I mentioned, he's had a couple big hits. He's only hitting 169. Mike Ford, not really that concerned about because he's is what he is, and his time in the starting lineup is is very limited. Obviously, he's only hitting 115. Uh, Aaron Hicks mentioned he has a couple home runs, but he's only hitting 157. It's a real problem. Uh, Brett Gardner is under 200 at 180, and Gary Sanchez as well, uh, and Clint Frazier's flirting with the line as well. So th- that's a lot of guys, right? Who I know batting averages and everything, but you look at the top three guys are all at or around 270, that's what you expect. And they're all, they all have an OPS of over 700. But there's there's a lot of a lot of blind spots in the lineup. Um, G. Rochelle has been probably our most consistent hitter. But when you mix in half the lineup of, of guys under 200 who just look brutal half the time, you're going to get these, these hot and cold stretches. So moving forward, we have Luke Voigt hopefully coming back and, they mentioned the next road trip, uh, which begins in Tampa in about 10 days. I don't know if he'll be ready by then, but that would certainly be encouraging, getting the Major League home run leader from 2020 back in our lineup. But outside of that, there's really not much reprieve, right? We're, we're kind of locked in with the guys we have. So where do we go from here? Uh, yeah, I mean, I think they're, they might have come out, like, come out to a few things in the last – you know, week handful of games. Uh, John Carl Stanton was not hitting second to start the season, and you know the Yankees' offense was so non-existent that Aaron Boone was shuffling around doing some stuff and wound up with Stanton hitting second and Judge hitting behind him. And I think they like it, and I kind of like it too. Um, Stanton's hitting the ball really fucking hard. Like he's has like all of the hardest hit balls in baseball this year, other than maybe one by Shohei Otani. And, you know, he's got six home runs. He could probably have more, but, like, he's hitting line drives. He's hitting balls really hard on the ground. Or, you know, who knows if that's a change in his approach or if he's, you know, just trying to get on base or if, if he's just, you know, going to try and get them up in the air at some point. But I think Stan hitting second works. And... um yeah, I think you'll probably see Luke Voigt bat fourth, which is pretty cool because I'm tired of watching Rugnet Odor, and God bless him, I don't want to see G. Rochelle batting fourth either. Um, I like Luke Voigt batting fourth, and the Yankees seem to really enjoy batting Glaber Torres fifth, which I'm okay with. But I would be much more okay with it if Luke Voigt is batting fourth. So I think that's what you'll see. Yeah, you mentioned uh, Stanton hitting the ball hard. He's actually leading the league in average exit velocity. Um, him and Judge are one and two. Um, and they talked about this on the broadcast today. I believe it was batted balls over 115 miles an hour. He has, I think it was in the 20s this year, and that's more than like entire teams have. So he is just hitting the crap out of the ball. 
And even when he doesn't hit line drives or, or fly ball home runs, he's still able to sneak grounders through because they're hit so hard that like no infielder is really going to be able to catch it unless it's right at them. Oh, he's hitting them like like hard enough to knock fielders' gloves off. If you if you need to you know, look for anything for for an example of that, he hit a single right up the middle today at 118.8 miles an hour. So even if they shifted him, there's a chance that that ball sneaks by the second baseman or the shortstop. Uh, that's what you, you need to do, right? Obviously, elevation would be preferable, but if he's going to be hitting them on a line drive or on the ground, you hit them that hard, there's a good chance they're going to find a hole and be able to get through just because the reaction time required by a middle infielder uh, is, 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 is so fast. And, at that speed, yeah. Yeah, it's wild. So I, I do want to note that um, in, in terms of hard-hit balls, what um, baseball savant considers 95 miles an hour and, and higher, Stanton is actually only fourth in Major League Baseball. Uh, Manny Machado leads that category 52, but Stanton is fourth at, at 45. Uh, part of that probably has to do with the fact that he had a dreadful start to the season, and then he also gets regular rest. I feel like Manny's played basically every day. Um, but it, it's certainly encouraging that he's hitting the ball. Uh, now, you look at him and I think he has, what, six, seven home runs? So, that, I mean, that's still that's good. But if he hits, if he starts getting his elevation up, I mean, he's a guy who, knock on wood, he stays healthy, could have another 40 home run season. And that would be incredible for the Yankees, especially a team that's as dependent on the home run as they are right now. They're not quite getting the home runs at the pace that we expected. And that's partially why the offense is lacking, because you can get away a few days where you only get four, five, six hits if three of them are home runs, right? Like you, you can win that way if you get a walk, two on home run, that's two runs with one swing of the bat, but they're not doing that. And when the home run goes away, they're not doing enough small ball. They're not running the base as well. They're not getting in guys with less than two outs via an out. But I think the home runs will come. That's fine. We've talked about it at nausea before. Well, I mean, for Stanton, just one last thing. Like, I think it's interesting. I, I'm, I mean, for the time being, I think I'm pretty okay with him getting two base hits or, you know, doubles or whatever he's getting. A, a game, especially if he's batting in the second hole. Like, he's a home run hitter for his career. I want him to hit more home runs. I'm sure he will. Um, even if that's, like, a few degrees, right? He hits them so freaking hard. Like, he could be, like, a flat, you know, whatever it is, only a few feet off the ground kind of ball, and it would still get into the first row. He hits them so goddamn hard. Like, so. Which he I did think, uh, in, in Cleveland. He had a home run like that, right? He ripped it. Yeah, right down exactly. Long. So no, no. Here, here's some fun stats per ba- baseball savant in terms of average exit velocity. He's in the 100th percentile. I major league baseball in terms of max exit velocity. He's in the 100th percentile in terms of hard hit percentage, the 100 percentile <laughs> in terms of barrel. So he's percentage, literally the, the very best in baseball, the 88th percentile in, in barrel percentage. So he's hitting them hard. That's, that's not in, in doubt. The question for yeah. him is always going to be, can he lay off the, the off speed stuff flowing away? But I mean, he's sitting 270 right now, so he's he's you know he's on his way. I think I, I mean I enjoy it when he hits like absolute tanks, like his grand slam from earlier in the season. I think the home runs will start coming. He's hitting the ball so damn hard right now that like, I can't even really complain. Like, and put it put it this way: if if he only hits 20 home runs this year and he hits 280 and he's hitting in every game this year, right? It goes one for four, two for four every night. Like, who gives a shit, right? I know it's not what we expect from him. He's not that type of hitter on paper, but if that's the production we end up getting from him, like fine, just taking the run with it. Uh, on the flip side, let's, let's look at a guy like Aaron Hicks because I think we all have a bone to pick with him, right? Uh, the fielding is what it is. Unfortunately, it's, it's getting worse. And I, I kind of expected his arm strength to come back. He made a big point of saying in spring training that he's finally back to full strength from his 2019 Tommy John surgery. The walk-off loss to the Orioles on I believe it was Thursday afternoon, that throw home was was embarrassing. Like that was like little league level stuff, right? And for a guy who had the the highest, th- he had the the hardest throw, the highest um, velocity on his throw in baseball in what was it, 2016, 2017, that throw home against yeah. Oakland, I believe. <clears throat> for him to make a throw like that just a couple years later, it's it's beyond concerning. But offensively. Um, his expected batting average is in the 26th percentile. So it's not even like he's, he's 
getting bad. You know, he's not he's not a victim of bad luck. He's just hitting the ball like he's shit. Just not hitting the ball. <laughs> His whiff percentage is in the 29th percentile. That's not good, especially because this is a guy who's supposed to have a good eye. He's not walking a lot. His chase rate is up in the 78th percentile. So that's maybe encouraging that he's not swinging at everything. But when he does swing, he misses everything. <laughs> uh, I mean, I think I'll, I'll say this. <clears throat> to say, you know, to take mild issue with you saying the defense is what it is. Like, it can't just be it is what it is with him because, you know, he's a 230 career hitter. You know, his first couple of seasons with the Yankees, he was up near 250. He was walking a lot. He would hit, you know, for 20-something home runs. Like, and his defense was supposed to be really good. And when he signed the contract that he did, his defense was really good. And it was reasonable contract, you know, because he would hit for power and draw walks and play really good defense. And now he's not doing any of those things. So if he's going to be one of the worst hitters in baseball, he needs to be playing good defense and he's not doing anything right right now. Yeah. And I think a big reason why the Yankees signed him to that contract is that they also believe that he would get better. And that has not been the case, especially this year, you guys covered it. And yeah, I do think it, it's, it is a concern that he's not walking because, you know, in, in the past, he's been one of the better guys, especially on the Yankees at, you know, controlling the strike zone, not swinging at pitches that he can't hit. And now you just see him chasing everything, especially from the left side, which is the side that he's going to be batting on for the majority of the time as he's looked a little bit better right-handed, which is the case for his career, but you know, you're really not seeing that kind of discipline that he used to have uh, batting lefty, which is, is pretty concerning. I think well, the for the record, he's a much that... better career hitter from the right-handed side than he is from the left-handed, which is unfortunate. Right. And, and it is it time that we, we have that conversation that maybe he should just convert to a full-time right-handed hitter. I know it's a real rough change to make and he hasn't really faced a lot of right-handed pitching from the right side. In like the last 10, 15 years, right? As a switch hitter, it's just not something you, you do. But it may be time we have to start looking at that conversation. I mean, the guy's hitting under 160 in May, playing every day. So clearly what he's doing isn't working. And I don't know if it's a mechanical thing or if it's just he's not good at it anymore, right? Uh, you, Gus, you mentioned he's, he's just getting worse when the expectation when he signed that contract was that he would improve. The quote from Brian Cashman was, I'm betting on you. Remember that? His whole thing was, like, that's why they gave him seven years. It was because the, the, the dollar wasn't really the concern. I mean, it wasn't like a, a Jacoby Ellsbury level deal. It was just, hey, if I'm going to commit to you for seven years, I'm betting that you're going to be able to show us what you did. And I think it was after 2018, right, when he had his best offensive year. Like, I think that you can be that guy. And we're trusting you to play a vital position on our team for the next almost decade. Obviously, that's a bet that Brian Cashman is losing horribly right now. And, yeah, you can say Tommy John was, was an unexpected issue that, that hurt his cause in, in this. But, God, he's just so, so brutal to watch. And, again, I, gee, I'm glad you, you, you called me out on, on saying that because that, that was just you know, a slip on my own end. The defense should not be what it is, right? If, if you're not hitting, fucking play good defense. Don't bobble the ball. That's ground, you know, that bounces right in front of you. Make strong throws to the bases when you need to. We got on Glaber Torres, right, for when he wasn't hitting and he 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 dogged it out on, on that one ground ball that one time. And his defense he, has he, been better since then. He, right, he right. But, but you took an much better. Yeah. Right. Wait, when you're not playing well, you can't just fall back on your laurels and be like, oh well, I, I I'm probably pretty good at this, so let's just relax and everything will will come will come back to us. It'll fall into shape. Like, no, you got to fucking work for it. You have to actually bust your ass in every facet of the game because you're not doing anything right. So you need to improve anywhere you can right now. And he's not. It is interesting to note, uh, Cedric Mullen stopped switch hitting. Now he's only batting lefty. Uh, whereas, you know, he's been really good. Would it Hicks only bat right? But yeah, he's, he has the most hits in the majors and he's batting three thirty seven. And he killed the Yankees in that one game. So it's it's something to consider. 
Um, obviously different players, completely different kind of, of change, but it worked out for Cedric Mullins so far. Yeah. I mean, it's just, I don't know. I mean, he's got to start doing something better. Uh, you could say that about a couple of Yankees, right? Like, but even Clint Frazier, when he, you know, he started to show maybe a little bit more of a pulse uh, the last week, which is promising. But even him, like he was going out there, he's making incredible diving catches. Like, you know, he seems locked into the game. Like Aaron Hicks, I just don't get it. I mean, you know, Tommy John is a traumatic, serious injury. That's, that's, I get that. Like, but I just don't know where the complete, like, deterioration of everything else came from. And that's, that's the horrible thing about it, right? After this season, he's still got four more years. And if he's going to play like this, then it goes really quickly from like, oh, well, where is he going to bet in the lineup to like how many how many more years before we can trade him or get rid of him like Jacoby Ellsbury? Like we were counting the days until they got rid of him. And that's the thing, because when, when he signed that contract, you look at it seven years, like <clears> that's kind of a long time. But $70 million, $10 million AAV, you're like, well, that's a, that's a tradable contract, right? That's the first thing I thought of. Like, he's probably not going to live out the, the length of this contract, but if they need to move at any point in time, I don't I don't even know if if Jason Dominguez was on the table at that point. I was going to say, you know, he's we, the elephant like, in the room know, here. He's the elephant in the room. Maybe. It, it's just like a kind of thing where, where you expect you expected that he would not see the end of that contract in pinstripes, but it was fine because at $10 million, that's it's a movable contract. The way he's playing right now, it's it doesn't matter how much he's getting paid. Who the hell wants to to tie themselves to a guaranteed contract for that long on their roster? And Aaron Hicks, the kind of if play he's going to be like this, Aaron Hicks just screams Tampa Bay Rays. Like he just screams it. Yeah, but if he goes to Tampa, he'll immediately turn around and screw it because that's what they do, right? The Tampa Bay, uh, the Tampa Bay Devil Dude, Magic. I mean, yeah, if they're going to take a bet on a guy who's betting. 150 and not playing good defense they could be my guest if they can turn him around kudos to them no but that's well, all they do look, look at the guys like mike zanino they had on a renfro last year uh they do this all the time so that would be a nightmare well, i mean no that's 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 true yes uh i'll say this like jason dominguez is starting at was it high a or low a low probably a, right? low a yeah yeah so he's he's 17 18 now and uh, we'll see what happens. You know, I mean, it's it's not to say like we're just assuming that he's just going to bulldoze through minors and be in, in the major leagues next year. But like he's already in the system at a super young age. So, well, but in, in know, the meantime, it, it, it won't take much. I'm just saying if, if, if he gets like double A fairly quickly, then Aaron Hicks is going to be feeling that heat a little bit. Right. But, you know, like, right. But in the meantime, you know, I think. If it continues like this, I mean, do you do you have to consider reshuffling the outfield? Because I mean, I you know it would be harder and harder to really put this guy in the lineup every day. I mean, and and then uh, it gets to the point like, can you put Judge in center? It you know it, the bottom line is like, Aaron Hicks is gonna play, so he's got to do start doing something right. Yeah, it's tough because the Yankees brought back Brett Gardner, and he's been pretty much abysmal this year. Equally, uh, I don't bad. need I don't need to bark up that tree with G. We already know he's he's a, a staunch Brett Gardner uh, hater. But I mean, it is what it is. Obviously, we haven't talked about it yet. More than hater, right? Right. But look, we haven't talked about it yet on this pod. But since the last time we were on, the Yankees traded Mike Talkman to the Giants, so they don't have that either. Again, he was probably not a four or five year down the road solution, but they're very limited where they can go right now. You can't just bench Hicks because there's not better options on the bench. I mean, Clinton is starting to hit a little better, but he was just as bad up until about four or five days ago, right? Brett Gardner hasn't really done anything with that. It's not like the Yankees can say, you know what? We're paying you, whatever. We'll sit you down, get you right. In the meantime, we'll have someone go out and play league average ball to you know, hold your spot, and then when you're right again, we'll slide you back in the in the lineup. That they don't have the luxury of that because no one on their team is is a better alternative, and that's kind of why we're in a shit situation. I, there's definitely a little bit of inflexibility right now. I think some of that might resolve itself. I don't think there's anything in Clint Frazier's career stats that suggests he's going to hit a hundred plus points below his career average this season. Um, John Carlos hitting. 
over 100 points below his career average just a week to 10 days ago, and now that's all set. So, like, I think as Luke Voigt comes back, you know, some of these things will start to, you know, settle in a little bit as it relates to the lineup. You know, he's going to play first. DJ is going to go back to second. Rudnett Odor is probably on the bench most of the time. But, like, you're going to – they're going to find a way to get him in the lineup because they seem like they really like him. And he's been useful, so typically kept to him. He's more useful than I thought he would be. And, um, you know, Aaron Judge is um, – you know, he's doing his thing. They seem, I mean, we could talk about this in a separate segment. You know, there's a load managing question that seems to be coming up more and more. But even like John Carl Stanton, he's not going to play the outfield a lot, but like it's kept coming up. John Carl Stanton could play the outfield. So like you could probably fake it here and there, like, you know, put Gardner in center or, I mean, I don't know. I don't care. Put, you know, Judge in center for all I care. But I think you could probably fake it here and there. Um, but the part of this that's not going to resolve itself is that one of Gardner or Hicks need to hit better. And only thing I could say otherwise is that, you know, bring someone up from the minors and hopefully, you know, pray that they could do better because they just traded a fifth outfielder. I don't see how, why they would trade for another one at the deadline. The problem is the only guy on the 40 man <clears throat> roster who could fill that spot is Esteban Florial. And he was a highly touted prospect a couple of years ago. Hasn't really become anything since he did get his first cup of coffee in the majors last year in, in a very weird season where we had 28 men rosters anyway, and people coming in and out. Uh, he's that's right now, not in the, the immediate plans. I think he probably only sees roster time unless something gets hurt or like, you know, something wild, like, Brett Garner decides he can't well, play anymore and pulls a Jay Bruce and retires, right? I mean, like, I don't, if I don't know. If someone does get hurt or a roster spot becomes available in some way and they find offense in that spot, then, you know, they'll find a way to keep it around, I think. I mean, you can't have both Brett Gardner and Aaron Hicks hitting this badly and playing regularly like Boone was especially on that for Gardner because early in this or you know spring training he was like he's going to be our fourth outfielder he's going to play a lot they had him playing right field in spring training like but he's not hitting at all now and unfortunately for him you know he's looking very much like the guy who stayed one year too long it's been tough to watch man it's it's yeah. it's tough it really is, especially because he got off to a, a pretty decent start. He had a, a couple of good games when we had that that road trip to Tampa, and he really I mean, the man hasn't gotten a hit in like a week. It's, it's, yeah, it, it, it is. It's... I feel bad because he's been such a good Yankee and you know leader, and he's the longest tenured Yankee probably by a mile at this point. But like, it's it is pretty difficult to watch right now. Right. All right. Well, look, look. Let, let's change the the pace a little bit. We don't have to be all, all gloom and doom because, like I said, the Yankees have won five of their last six games and we've made it 30 minutes plus into this podcast and haven't yet mentioned Garrett Cole. So <laughs> Garrett's done everything we, we could have expected from him every single time he's, he's taken the ball for us this year. Uh, you, you, you look at, at where he's at right now, uh, sitting at four and one is area is 1.43, a ridiculous 62 strikeouts in 37 innings against just three walks. I mean, I don't, I don't even think, and obviously this isn't repeatable. Not he's not going to have an area under one and a half the whole year. Probably but if he does, if he does, there's your side. I mean, I wouldn't rule anything out. Like, <laughs> but I mean, this guy is a video game. He's a cheat. Like this is, it's such a joy that the Yankees finally have a true bona fide ace. And I would say that CC was kind of there in his first few years of that contract uh, a decade or so ago, but nothing like Garrett Cole. I mean, he goes out there and you're seeing arguably the best pitcher in baseball take the mound for your own team and just wipe out the opponents. <laughs> well, that's, that's a tip of the cap to Garrett Cole because of how good CC was that first couple of years when he was with the Yankees, like the man who, you know, pitched on every three days the last month of the season to get the Brewers to the playoffs. Then when the Yankees signed who kind of did the same thing in the playoffs for the 2009 Yankees, he won 60 something games over a three year span like, he was that goddamn good. And Garrett Cole is even a level above that. He's on, like, 
you know, 1A or 2 with the Jacob deGrom level. Like, there's two pitchers in baseball as good as these two, and it's just it's just those two dudes. Yeah, um, and I think the thing that G really <clears throat> jumps out to me when you think about where he was last year, only one home run given up still all of this year. He's keeping the ball in the ballpark. He's striking everybody out. He's not walking anyone. It is just unbelievable pitching every time he takes the hill. Um, and even in that Cleveland start, the first couple of innings, he kind of grinded through trying to figure out which pitches he was going to get to work. But once he found his groove, he was just untouchable. Um, and I think that speaks to his ability to to know his stuff and be in, in tune and figure it out during the course of the game. Cause I think David Cohn says a lot, you never know what you have until you start really start throwing it. So he's been absolutely lights out so far. Yeah. Gus, you mentioned he only has one home run this year. That home run was issued in the, like the fifth inning of his first start of the year. And it's been nothing since uh, if you need any clearer picture of, of who Garrett Cole is granted, it was against an obviously weak offensive Detroit Tigers team this past Friday, but six innings, 12 strikeouts. And when they showed him in the dugout after he got pulled at like a hundred or so pitches, he was livid. Like he, he gave up four hits, no runs. And there was something he was still frustrated about that. He could have done better. Like, like how much more perfect how, I, I, there's a level of perfection that he demands of himself. That is, is unbelievable. And I love it because it's psycho stuff, right? <laughs> like This guy goes out, throws six shutout innings with 12 strikeouts. So two per inning. And that wasn't good enough for him. He's like, that was terrible. What what am I doing out there? And he really is a psychopath. To praise this man in a different way, um, as much as I enjoy watching him just go out and be completely dominant and notable, like from the jump, um, the game on the road against the Blue Jays in Dunedin, I think it was, where the first couple innings it looked like it was not going to be a good start. He had guys on base. He didn't seem like he had his command, but he kind of figured it out over the first few innings and then wound up pitching six innings of one run ball anyway, and the Yankees win. And that was when the Yankees offense was as bad as it could be. So like he's so did he end, did he end that game he's we're so, talking like like fifteen or sixteen straight to end his, his outing? Like he got yeah, better yeah, every something inning. like that. Like he got he got like night and day. Like he flipped a switch better. And um yeah, so I mean that was that was you know a, a kudos to him because especially against a division opponent who we're assuming probably isn't just going to fold up, um, he was able to start off with shit stuff and turn it into like another dominant night by the end. Well, look, you you mentioned a division rival. I mean, let's look at, at the standings right now, right? So again, recording this Sunday night. Uh, every team in, in the division has played either 28 or 29 games. Yankees are right in the middle of things, right? Currently sitting in, in third place, 14 and 14. We're only two and a half games back at first place. And first place is the Boston Red Sox. Look, egg over all of our faces if the Red Sox keep this up and win the division this year. But they're, they're not winning the division, right? Like, <laughs> we, we got nothing to worry about there, right? I mean, they got off to a really good start. But there's probably a little bit of normalizing that's happening now. Well, look, they've lost two straight games in Texas. Um, Tonight, you had another Adam Matavito implosion. They had a game in hand in the eighth inning, and he gave it away. So, yeah, they can be surprised. Their lineup, uh, you know, can can hit. But, yeah, their pitching is going to be it's going to be tough for that to hold up for the entire year. They just I don't just don't think they have enough good arms. So if you want to look at it, isn't going to last all season. Well, you know. And Dick Pavetta, right? Yeah. Uh, if you if you look at the, the, to Chris Sale. the three teams that we expect to be in contention for the division, right? The Blue Jays, the Yankees, and the Rays, all separated by just a game and a half right now. Um, the Yankees are a game back of Toronto, half game ahead of Tampa Bay. Tampa is, is a really weird case because they've beaten the Yankees five out of six and then gone nine and 14 against the rest of their opponents. So I don't know if they just have our number or they're just as bipolar as we are. But again, we're a month into the season, and those three teams are within a game and a half of each other. The best of the three is two games over 500. So, again, it's early. I don't know. I Records figure... don't mean as much now, but we're, we're right there. As bad as, as our start's been, we're, we're 
as close to being <laughs> in first place as, as we could have expected. Right like, now. I f- figure figure it like this for me anyway. Like, if you if you turn on like turn on like a video game that you figure out like, oh, I'm gonna be good at this game, and then you start off at whatever difficulty you start out, and you're just getting your ass kicked. Sometimes you just have to turn on difficulty a little bit and just beat up on a shit team for a little while, get in your groove, and then you go back up, and um, and you know, and you and you play better. Like they start off against teams who were, admittedly to their own credit, ready to play, and the Yankees didn't really seem like they. They seemed like for the first two weeks of April they were still doing spring training stuff, but like, you know, people are gonna maybe poo-poo like, oh, they were playing the the Orioles or the Indians or the Tigers, like. The team's on the schedule. If they're bad teams, then you do what you're supposed to do, and that's beat up on them. And exactly, you it would be it would be disastrous. You start to pitch better, and then you kind of catch your footing, and and you go from there. Right. The the world would be on fire right now if we didn't do as well as we did this week against Baltimore and Detroit. Uh, so yeah, obviously it's not impressive, so to speak, but they they had to win those games, and they did. And that's how you accrue ninety plus wins over the course of a season. You win games like this against inferior opponents. Yeah, and uh, I think uh, looking ahead just a little bit, a highly, highly, highly anticipated series. Uh, one Houston Astros ball club coming into the Bronx for three games um, should be should be fun. Um, obviously, still a limited capacity at Yankee Stadium, but uh, they're going to make their voices heard. I think. Oh, the there's, there's going to be a lot of the best because we're going to hear. There's going to be a lot mics. of fun hot mic stuff. Yeah, that's. I mean, Garrett Cole dominating the Astros is going to be some beautiful stuff that I needed to see. Yeah, so so let let let's look ahead to the three games, right? So the Yankees are off tomorrow. Uh, Houston just completed a, a weekend series in Tampa, so they'll be. I don't want to say road jury, but I mean they have a day off just like we do. Yeah, fingers crossed. <laughs> and then and then the, the series kicks off on, on Tuesday night in the Bronx. You got Zach Granke against Domingo Herman. Uh, we haven't mentioned Herman at all on this podcast, but uh, he's kind of righted the ship, right? He had uh, a, just as bad of a first inning as you could have a couple weeks ago in in Cleveland and then just flipped a switch and gave us six. Didn't allow another run the rest fault, of the game. By the way, just to his credit. Right, right. Gardner dropped a ball. He made an error on, on a weird and a weird ground ball. So, I mean, that that's his own fault, right? If a run scores on his own error, that, that can be attributed to him. But generally speaking, he wasn't like slapped around. And then that's, that's a, that's a weird word to use. I, well, I apologize his last, for that. <laughs> his last two starts have been night and day better than his first two starts. They really have. With him so, so, behind the plate. Yeah. Right. So, so you'll get him against Granky in, in the first game of the series. Uh, second game, you have Luis Garcia, who hasn't recorded a win yet this year, but his area is under three. He's looked very good for them, a promising young arm. Uh, Yankees will will look to Jordan Montgomery. That game, That's a game that worries me just because Houston is very right-handed just as we are, and, and Montgomery's splits aren't great this year. And then in the, the series finale, it's far and away the best pitching matchup of the three games. Uh, the one o'clock afternoon game, Lance McCullers versus Garrett Cole. Um, so the two staff aces going against each other. What do we think? I mean, what, I, I'm not going to say how many games are we going to win, what's going on, but like, how are we feeling about facing? Uh, Houston's still a good team. Obviously, they, they, they're down George Springer, but I mean, they're still a very good team. How do we feel we stack up against them coming into this week? I think it'll be interesting to see how the players respond to all of what is surrounding this matchup. I know, you know, obviously there's been a ton of turnover since 2017, but you still feel that resentment, obviously from the fans. I think privately the organization, a lot of those baseball ops people are are still pretty stung by it. I know a lot of the ex players from that 2017 team are. So I'm, I'm interested to see what the, uh, the emotions are like if there are any. Yeah, I mean, I really want the Yankees to sweep these games. And I think, you know, you've been hearing and seeing and, you know, seeing on social media, like people are giving it to the Astros. Like, if they were hoping that, like, oh, there's no fans last year because of COVID, like, there's no fans, they will have forgotten. 
the fans have not forgotten, and I'm sure the Yankees have not forgotten either. So, um, and I think they have the advantage in these pitching matchups, two of them anyway. Um, Montgomery might be a bit of a, a challenge because of the the right handedness, but I think they should win if nothing else. Because if you think of you know Altuve and Correa as maybe their best players, um, they're they're doing okay. Michael Brantley's doing pretty good. Um, you know, Jordan Alvarez is is doing pretty good too. But like, if, you know, they're some of their best players aren't really tearing the cover off the ball right now. And I think I don't know. Maybe it's just a vibe or whatever. I feel like the Yankees are a better team, talent wise. I would say probably arguably Yuli Gurriel's their their best hitter. Um, him and um, Alvarez has, has, has looked pretty pretty good as well. They're both hitting um, considerably over 300. And then yeah. Gurriel has, I think, four or five home runs to his name. Uh, so those are the guys that, that I'd be worried about. But I, I agree. There's going to be a level of, of emotions because they didn't even play them last year, right? Even the fact that they had an empty ballpark, they played only East opponents last year. So they didn't even get to face them at all. And, and there'll definitely be a, a level of intensity that, that I hope carries over. The question, as always, will be what offense do we get? Do we get the... 10 run four home run onslaught type type offense or do we get the three hits over eight innings offense like we got today now yeah they manufactured two runs in that win but if kluber wasn't as dominant as he was it's a good chance we lost today's game um, hitting the way we did so yeah it, it, it that that's gonna be the big question uh, of course after <clears throat> houston comes in we don't really have to get into it uh, we'll probably have a pot in between but then uh, Washington Nationals come to town for the weekend, and then the Yankees hit the road after that. But let, let's move forward to what I'm pretty excited about, just because we haven't got to do it yet this year. Uh, and it's going to be the inaugural BBB bullpen trust list. So for, for our listeners who haven't actually heard, heard this before, um, we're going to give you a ranking of the top five relievers in the Yankee bullpen. Um, each person will give their own list in terms of who they, they, they trust the most. We're going to throw in one guy who we absolutely hate. Let's say, say that's our doghouse person. And um, if you feel inclined to, to give some commentary on your list and, and who you chose and why, then feel free. So uh, I'll pass it off to you guys. Uh, G, let's start with you. Uh, where you at? Um, I think it's fairly obvious that Chapman will be number one on all of our lists. So I'll just say that, yeah, he's number one and he's the best reliever in baseball. Kudos to him. His fastball velocity, actually, as Michael K pointed out, is up from last year. And that is pretty cool. Um, he's got a new splitter and the thing looks absolutely unhittable. And yeah, he's like a video game character right now. So Chapman, number one. Um, <clears throat> I'll go back to the bottom. Actually, I'll go, I'll go five to one. Uh, Luis Sessa is number five. Michael King is number four. Jonathan Loizaga is number three. And Chad Green is number two. And since we're talking and including one guy who we don't like, Luis Sessa is my guy that I don't like either. Just because I've got a thing with him. He's He's a mop-up guy. He's... The white flag, it's a blowout game guy, and you know, he's got nice stuff, he's got good stuff, and he's never kind of been more than that guy anyway. So, like, you know, you probably won't see him on my list too often this year once guys come back and get healthy and all that jazz. So he's making a double appearance today, and that is, you know, a feather in his cap for some reason. And I'll do an honorable mention for a guy I don't like, Nick Nelson. And he earned himself, rightfully, a trip to the minors because he just wasn't very good at all. And that's my list. All right, Gus, what do you got? Well, I have pretty much the same list. Uh, Sessa at five, you know what you get. Although I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing sometimes. Um, King at four, he's been really good this year. Loisa at three, tremendous stuff that he's developed over the last uh, couple of years. And especially so this year. Uh, Green at two has been very dependable. Um, and Chapman one looks like, really looks like the best reliever, best closer in baseball uh, right now. And then I guess my guy, I don't really say that I, I wouldn't, I don't like him. Um, but I think 
Lewicki and Wilson are kind of redundant, both kind of, you know, lefty guys. And Wilson has been worse. So I guess I'm going to go with him. I would, I would pick Nelson if he was on the majors, but he's been so bad that he's not anymore. So I'm going to, I'm going to go a slightly different direction as you guys. Uh, I'm actually going to exclude Mike King just because he only had like three appearances. Now, um, do I trust him to come in? Yeah, but he's not on the pecking order, right? Like if, if you need innings in a close game, uh, I feel like he's, he's the mop-up guy. He's the guy where starter only goes two innings and you got to hold it over or you're, you're already down big, right? Or it's just a spot start, like who gives a shit what happens kind of guy. Uh, I want to see him pitch more and he'll quickly find his way onto my list. I'm actually going to put uh, Lucas Lukey at five just because he's, he's been serviceable. Uh, ultimately, I think Zach Britton coming back in, in a few weeks replaces him. And as like you mentioned with him and Wilson, a little redundant. Um, he's probably the, the guy who, who pays the price. Uh, and then after that, I'm actually going to bump Sess up to four. I've actually really liked what I've seen from him this year. Uh, he is what he is, right? But there's a stigma that he's just the, the mop-up guy and he comes in and gets beat up when he, when he pitches. And he hasn't quite been that guy in like two years now. He's, he's actually been very serviceable. So anytime he comes in right now, I feel fairly confident. He's not coming in high leverage situations, so to speak, but I feel confident in him. Um, I'm going to put Chad Green at three just to be different than you guys. I, I, I love Chad Green, and he's, he's the fireman, but only because I stand Jonathan Loisga so hard. Um, he has that young Mo potential, they say. He's got the stuff like it. He's never going to be anything close to what Mariano Rivera was, so let's just get that out of the way. But the fact that he has that caliber stuff um, gets me really excited. And we mentioned the 2-1 the Cole versus Bieber game uh, last Saturday night in Cleveland. I believe Loisga got like five outs and the save in that game. Super high leverage, and, and he came through just fine. He did pick up a loss this, this week in the extra inning games against Baltimore, but it's because Baltimore bunted the, the ghost runner from second to third, and then he got a soft fly ball to center field that noodle arm Aaron Hicks did not make close to a play in the plate. And also Aaron Boone decided to pitch to Mullins, who's the only guy in the Baltimore bat- <laughs> batting order who probably would put the ball in play and get that sack fly. So I don't, I don't hold that against the Wiseguard at all. And obviously, Roldis Chapman is, is number one. He's far and away the most dominant reliever in baseball right now. And that includes guys like Josh Hader. So Chapman, for sure, is the king of the castle. Uh, I think Zach Britton will, will move his way up the list very fast upon his return. Yeah, uh, and fun thing about Chapman, he's got 24 strikeouts in 10 innings. And also, point of clarification for Sessa, which is not to say, like, oh, whenever he comes in, he gets absolutely blasted. <clears throat> In my eyes, Sessa is a star in his role, and that role is come in whenever the game is a blowout and pitch well, but, you know, low-pressure, low-leverage situations, and, you know, I don't want to see him anywhere near the mound in a meaningful inning in the playoffs. That's all. I think O'Day would be on here somewhere if because he's currently hurt, um, but I like what they've given him so far. I think... It's interesting what the Yankees have, have assembled in their bullpen. Um, and I remember uh, this kind of discussion going on about the Rays bullpen, how they have so many different looks. And I think with guys like O'Day, the Yankees are kind of trying to to do something similar where you're like, okay, in a game that Garrett Cole starts where the hitters are, you know, gearing up for, you know, 96, 97 at the top of the zone. And then Darren O'Day comes in and he's like wonky sidearming 87. Like that's, that's an adjustment to make. So I, I do think it is, it's, it's interesting what they've constructed and obviously has been really effective so far. Yeah, that's a good point uh, because the, the total success of a bullpen isn't necessarily dependent on just having the best talent stacked. Bang, 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 bang. If they're all the same guy, Major League hitters will eventually adjust, right, and kind of anticipate what they're going to see. The fact that you you throw in different looks, guys who throw from different slots, different velocities, different types of pitches, keeps them on their toes. And I think that's where the Yankees have, have actually had a lot of success this year. Um, you have a guy like O'Day, which unfortunately with the rotator cuff injury, he's probably going to be out until at least June, which sucks. But you have him coming in throwing sidearm at 
88 miles an hour, you know, like the, the Frisbee slider, right? Uh, and then you back it up with a guy like Loisga pumping 99 at the top of the zone. That's, that's a huge adjustment for hitters, one appearance the next. Uh, and I did mention my own guy who's, who's on my shit list. It's actually Justin Wilson, who I, I would have put probably on my top five had we done this pot a week ago. But the past week, he had a, a bunch of really, really tough outings. And am I concerned? Yeah, a little bit. Uh, obviously, he had that injury coming into the season and a couple of good outings. He can flip the switch. But uh, I expected more from him at this point. So he's my my shitless guy. Um, outside of that, guys, uh, we, we kind of covered everything we needed to. Um, is there anything else you guys wanted to, to talk about? If the Yankees fired Aaron Hicks and Brett Gardner into the sun tomorrow, I'd be okay with it. But everything else on the offense is trending in the right direction. Well, except for Gary, which uh, it's it's kind of difficult now to really justify playing him in games that you're not giving Higashioka a rest. Like, Higgy just needs to play. <laughs> He's been better on both sides of the ball, and that's just kind of how it is now. It, it really is kind of shocking when you think about when Gary came up and how well he hit. Um, but that's just just kind of the situation the Yankees find themselves in now. And, you know, full credit to to their development system and to Higashioka. I know he's worked extremely hard and he's earned this. So that's just... Yeah, a, I feel bad for Gary, too, because he got yeah. so much shit over the years that was not warranted. Like, you know, oh, he's fat, he's out of shape. You know, defense was always an issue. And he's worked really hard on that, you know, changing his stance, et cetera. But, like... Yeah, it's really ugly right now. So hopefully whenever he plays, he starts playing better. And otherwise, you know, Higgy can be the man as far as I'm concerned. It's it's rough because he he works harder than probably most guys on the team. And it's just, it's just not clicking for him anymore. I don't think we're ever going to see anything close to what we saw when he came up in, in 2016. And obviously that was like a fantasy run that he had, right? 20 home runs. 50 games yeah i mean he's never gonna be that guy he's never gonna be the guy he was in 2017 i don't think either which sucks because i really like the guy and i really want him to be successful and the yankees are fun as shit when gary's hitting the ball well and he's not and you you have to wonder if he's ever gonna get there ever again Uh, for for me i just want to you know beat my chest a little bit here um shameless plug just patience in guys like Jamison Tyone and Corey Kluber. I think our fan base got on Brian Cashman, got on the team real fast when those guys went out and had a couple of short starts. They didn't look, they didn't look even close to what we expected from them. Right? Obviously, they're coming off injuries, and the Yankees are taking it easy with them. They really only let Kluber go past 80 pitches today when he went 100 and pitched eight shutout innings, which is part of the development process. To Aaron Boone's credit, there's a lot that I don't like about him, but he does, he has done a good job of nursing these guys along and not pushing them too hard, too fast, where they re-injure themselves and then everything that we've built our rotation around is blown up a month into the season. So I love what I've seen from Tyone. He even looked really good in his last outing before um, yesterday. He was a week ago on Sunday in Cleveland. He did blow up in, I think, the fifth inning, but up until that point, he looked really, really good. So it's a matter of just finishing, and he did that for sure in his last inning, so definitely something to build upon. And Kluber, he's not going to pitch seven, eight other innings every time out, but if he's even, I said, 70, 80% of what he was today, the Yankees have a one-two punch at the front of the rotation that could go toe-to-toe with any other team in baseball. Yeah, I think that, you know, I mean, that's clearly the Yankees' approach just in general, right? Like, you're not going to come out and, you know, wear yourself out on game 25 when there's 135 games to go. Like, we saw that even a little bit with what seems to be load management with Aaron Judge, right? They say, like, oh, he's sore, he's this or that. Like, I don't know if that's just being like, you know, oh, Major League Baseball, don't get mad at us, he's actually hurt, but they're just trying to make sure that he is going to play 130-something games this year. And uh, whatever. But, like, that's their approach, right? The games in September are, you know, August and September are more important. They all count the same, but the ones in August and September are more important. You want to start to peak that time 
and you know, kudos to the Yankees for taking care of Tyone and and Kluber and Tyone especially. You know, he's not giving them the length yet, but even if he's going to pitch five innings of one run ball, that's that's plenty good enough for now. Yeah, and I, I think that really speaks to the work that Matt Blake has done getting a full offseason and preseason regiment with everybody. We had kind of that abbreviated stop start in 2020. I think that affected a lot of guys differently, but in a full cycle, the first full cycle with Matt Blake, you're seeing the dividends pay off. Hmm. It really is encouraging. Benefited Garrett Cole tremendously. (laughs) I I don't think you'd have to be hard pressed to find something that didn't benefit him, right? Um, But it it, it is strange that we're sitting here a month into the season and the big storyline is how dominant the Yankees pitching is. It's just something that we haven't really, storyline we haven't gotten to push in in quite some time. It's always been about the offense. And the offense hopefully will come along. Um, I've been certainly as critical as anyone, but I'm going to give them the leeway at least another couple of weeks, right? Just because they've had a couple of games where they've shown some signs of life. So if, if they can build upon that and kind of iron out these two, three, four hit shit appearances, then yeah, then we'll be fine. And it becomes a non-issue. All right. But with that being said, I think this is a good place to, to wrap up tonight for, for G for Gus, for Andrew, this has been the Bronx bomber battle podcast and uh, we'll catch you next time.